recording and backup recording started. We have done our Michael checks. We have confirmed that there are no Michaels. There are no Michaels in the room. I think po- I think Pokey missed my um, absolutely atrocious dad joke. It's for the better. I, I didn't miss it. I thought it was good enough. It wasn't worth calling out. All right, guys, we got to talk about something. We're, we got a problem. We got a problem? What yeah. What kind of problem? I'm worried. I, I don't even think we have a problem anymore. It 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 was our problem, but it, it's a little out of hand now. Yeah, it seems that way. So Linux Lugcast, like, they did a thing where they introduced... Cool, cool show, by the way. We're big fans. Yeah, 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 for sure. But um, they introduced an, an artificial intelligence, and they made the comment, kind of offhand, I guess, that it was the first artificial podcast host. And I'm a little scared the Soundwave might have heard about this. They might have said it was the chillest host, AI host. They could have said that. That probably would have been true. Soundwave superior. Hot. Inferior. Oh, shit. He knows. Yes, Soundwave. We know you're superior. You're better than us, obviously. Whoa, 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 hang on, buddy, hang on. Like, these are all our friends. We don't need to get hostile about the whole thing. They're bullshit AI is about to catch these hands. Do you even have hands? That's it. I'm about to go in. It's a good thing you shoot like a Decepticon sound wave. You random episode 79 for January 1st, 2023. Mom? Mothma? Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of You Random. I'm Lyle, and tonight I have, as always, with me, Taj. Hey, what's good, everybody? Bogey. Lyle was right. It was fantastic, as long as he was just calling out him and Taj. And our dear friend, Soundwave. Ah, apparently Soundwave is a little salty tonight. Little grumpy. We love you, Soundwave. We think you're the best. Lyle. Yes, sir. I have a confession to make. What's that? I played a video game. Awesome. What'd you play? The one that's on Taj's list. I mean, that's on your list. Uh, There are multiple video games on my list. Oh, I didn't know any of the rest of them were video games. The one that's a heck of a spider game. I played it some, too. Should we even talk about this or should we wait till album of the month? Because it was, it's, dude, totally two different things. I mean, it's here. Let's just do both now. Oh, oh, look at that. What did you play it on? I played and, it on my Steam. I played it on my Steam Deck. And how did you find it? A little frustrating and clunky. Yeah, me too. I played it on my nephew's, um, not the Wii. What's the new Nintendo? The Switch. I played it on my nephew's Switch. And the buttons are mapped all wrong. Uh, for me, it's more just uh, the the controls feel just a little sloppy. I... And I don't I don't know if that is an intentional design decision, which it, it's it's fine. It's just I I don't know. Well, controls should only be sloppy if it's an ice world. So sloppy's never good. I thought they were a bit laggy on the um, on the switch. But what was worse is that it's a dual analog game. You need one analog stick to make the spider move, and you need one to aim the weapon. But on the Switch, it used the four 
right hand thumb buttons to do all the critical moves and it didn't use any of the shoulder buttons and that was a mistake it should have used two analogs in all four shoulders and nothing else and you couldn't fix it uh not in the time allotted no okay that that's a reasonable response but it it should have default should have been a good configuration not a clunky one but the visuals are cool it's i love how it's so dark and everything you do is like just medium brightness and the weapons are really super bright i, I love the contrast of you know between scooting around and attacking oh yeah it's very pretty it you was, what else no what else has a hell of a soundtrack Yes, it does, but I don't want to go there yet. Did you play multiplayer okay, at all? No, I didn't. I I was bad enough at it that I did not want to get to embarrass myself by being bad at it with other people. Okay, so we were so bad at it. Me and both of my two nephews were so bad at it. I think it took us 20 minutes just to enter the arena. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I don't... Uh, okay, so the Steam one does sort of play the way this one does. So the way that it plays, for all you listeners who haven't seen this thing, when you turn it on, if there's a controller plugged in, there's just a uh, little spider on the screen for you. So, you know, like player one, I think, was blue, and player two was green. And if we had more controllers, I think there would have been a red and a purple and however many controllers there were. There would have been that many colors of spiders. And there was, like, it's sort of a, a wide, low cave sort of shaped room that you're in with just jagged edges everywhere. And there were platforms all over the place. And each platform, or most of the platforms at least, had, like, a little, like, name on it and maybe a transporter pad. Lyle, is that accurate-ish? Yeah, that's not unreasonable. And if everyone got on the same transformer transformer pad... That's what you went and did. And I think there were like five of those transformer pads, and I don't know what four of them said, but one of them was like play the game or arena or battle or something. It was do the thing and several other ones. Yeah. And then when you jumped on the do the thing one, it brought you into another cave. It did not bring you straight into the battle royale cage match, which I thought it should have. That was strange to me that it didn't. I thought we were playing and all of a sudden we were navigating again, which was weird. Which I think just means that we all sucked enough at the game that we couldn't tell whether or not we were playing yet. Um, but it was pretty cool. Like, what did you think of the actual like control of the the robot of the of the spider bot thing? I mean, I thought it was cool, but that was the part I found challenging: is that I couldn't make the bro. I could. I knew what I wanted to do and could not make the robot do it. Yeah, it was difficult because there's like a left and a right that makes him walk left and right on the left stick and an up and a down on the left stick that does absolutely nothing. And then there's buttons. One makes it jump and one makes it shoot a web. Actually, no, excuse me. The same button makes it jump and shoot a web, but you have to aim with the right stick to shoot the web. So it was really, really tricky to get it to do anything except for walk left and right and maybe jump. As soon as you started shooting webs, you didn't know where it was going to go. At least on the, on the uh, switch, you didn't because you couldn't aim the stick with your right thumb and shoot the web with your right thumb at the same time. It's just impossible. So that made it really difficult. A, a, a better button mapping would have been much, much better. Even like moving the jump button to the right stick would have been better than than what we had. Like, you know, up to jump is, is was clunky back in the NES days, but even that 
would have been better than the way it was set up. So it's a cool concept, but it is probably not a game for me in the long term. And I'm okay with that. I still had fun trying it. Yeah, we did have fun trying it. And visually, it was gorgeous. It was, it was worth a look. But you can look on YouTube. You don't have to buy it to look. But it does have a really good soundtrack. Lyle's right. It has a bitchin' soundtrack. I mean, it's a game about neon spiders, and it's got a soundtrack by Professor Click. I, I had to give it a shot. Taj, what'd you say? I have opinions. And we're asking you for them. Um, Get your turn, dude. So, like, in general, thumbs up. Like, it's it's good. I, I think it does exactly what it's supposed to do, which is be video game music, which I'm not super into. Um, because sort of the needs of being video game music mean that it has to be... Um, like, you can't vary things a whole lot. Like, you have to harmonically stay in the same place. You have to be able to, like, from a tempo and rhythm perspective, you can change a little bit, but not really. Like, everything has to be interchangeable because you have to be able to loop things or make things play longer, and it has to be unobtrusive so it doesn't get old. Um, so I just feel like, for me, listening to this, if all music is tension and release, this is all, like, little bitty, like, bubbles of tension and release, but there was no, like, cathartic thing either harmonically or rhythmically or, or anything it felt like an album full of like 16 or 32 count bars uh like phrases that you could just interchange any way you want which they were all dope like i like listening to them but um the whole album is an album wasn't my jam like it's perfect like lifting music or you know sparring music or something where my brain is kind of checked out and i just want sound um but like i sitting in my chair listening to this is not probably a thing i would do uh just I, it's not interesting enough for me lifting that, sparring uh working at work where you need no lyrics i'm going to add to that list and motorcycling i'm going to add to the list yeah i think it, it's it's great for sort of background stuff which i mean that's what it's designed for like it's it's very well executed but i think for me like of all the professor clicks things this is the least favorite by a long shot uh of stuff that he's really done. Oh, yeah. You must like that experimental album with the one month with the MQ1, whatever it was. Um, I'm sure I've heard it, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm guessing that's your favorite. See, this to me, like most electronic music, and I, I, I'm sorry, Lyle, I'm interrupting. If I don't want to break a train of thought. You can go first if you want. I won't forget this. Nope, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Most electronic music to me, um, if it's good... For me, it's music that will help me to attain that flow state or the zone and stay in it without taking me out. Lyrics always take me out of the zone. So to get into that state, it's usually like 120 beats per minute. It's it's not a very difficult uh, formula there. But to, to, to And then to throw in a little bit of change up here and there and... and, and you know, the change-ups, of course, have to be not very patternific. I, if that that's not a word, I know. But you get what I'm saying. I, I like, yes. to, to me, electronic music helps me to get to that flow state, helps me get in the zone, and doesn't take me out of the zone. And, and those are two different things, so it's, it's tough for any music to do both of those things. But Professor Click, other than his experimental albums, always seems to do both of those things really, really, really well. I mean, like, I don't like no shade for me about this album because like it does what it's supposed to do. And there's a talent in writing music like that that doesn't suck. Like it doesn't suck, but it's not enjoyable to me. 
Like I can listen to it and be like, yeah, that's cool. But that that's as far as it goes for me. Well, but it, I mean, it sounds like it's not really made to be listened to in the way that you listen to music. You listen no. to music as an experience. This is this is kind of in, intentionally background music. Yes. If you sit down to just listen to it, you did expecting it. it, it y- yes, you're doing it wrong. You you are not engaging with it in the way that it intends to be engaged in. So of course you're not going to get out of it what what you want. Like I think the most the two most interesting tracks on the whole thing are um, there's one that's like swing something. I think it's like swing saber or whatever. Um, they do like a syncopated rhythm thing, which I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This is this is different than just like straight four four. Um, and then the last song, which I'm assuming is like the end credit song, like that song, I'm like, oh, this this is like Professor Click. Like this, I like this. The six second song. I is it six? No, there's it's it's really short, but it's like oh, in that short song, there's more that happens that's interesting than all the other album combined to me. Yeah, but it's the same thing as Mario dying. <laughs> Maybe we're talking about this different last song. No, the last song in the album is really, really short. It's like six seconds or ten seconds, and it it just it's it. I didn't remember hearing it while I was playing it, but when I played the album, I was like, "Oh, this is what happens when you die in adventure mode." I'm looking at that tracks. No, it's not that last one. It's the I guess the second to last one. Yes, the last one is just like 15 seconds long. Okay, so I was only right because you confused me. <laughs> That's, yeah. I mean, Tends to work that way. All right. So, what's the name of the track that's the second to last that you like so much? Like Temple something, Temple Toss. Okay. I, I will re listen with your opinion in mind. I mean, my opinion is not worth a whole lot. So, don't, <laughs> like, don't, don't bank on it changing your experience. Well, it, your opinion is worth a whole lot to me. That's why we do this every month. Well, that's why I do this every month. I, I can't speak for you two guys. I like to torture my friends slash share music with them. Speaking of. Guess whose turn it is? Oh boy! Banjos, banjos, banjos. No, no, that's that, no, no, that's Pokey's pick. Is, is usually banjo. Though I'm going to take this as a personal challenge to find something that I like that is banjo heavy. <laughs> Can I? All right, this is a, a what you just said is a really good segue, Lyle. That whole like juxtapo- juxtaposition of like music and expectations. Just real quick. It's it's if you have a, a like just a, a a break this week where you're sitting on the toilet and looking at YouTube or something, look for reaction videos to Primus. It's really <laughs> hilarious seeing people who think they know music and hearing Primus for the first time is hilarious because they're very wrong. No, they're completely right, but they're dumb. They're exceptionally dumbfounded, like they've never heard this before. Like one of the guys that I watched, one of the first things he said, it it took him like, I don't know, like 20 seconds, and he stopped and he goes, oh, or no, actually, it was, no, it was shorter than that. It was, it was maybe like 10 seconds in. And he goes, and by the way, like the video, it means that you want me to listen to more music like this. And I was like, there's not music like this. I mean, you just listen to every Primus song. Yeah, exactly. And then the whole rest of the video, every, every one that I've seen so far, it's it's like something like that at the beginning where the the person says what they would normally say in their normal video followed by like a minute and a half of silence and then they go shit i forgot i was doing a reaction video this is blowing my mind they all just go this is not what i was expecting it's really good <laughs> the one yeah, the- yeah, yeah primus is very good 
Yeah, they're very, but they're not like anything else. The one guy that I watched, the first one that I saw, he goes, this is a band called Primus. <laughs> yeah, it is watching Primus reaction. It's so funny. And for anyone who's listening to us and doesn't get what I'm saying, Primus is a 30-year-old band at this point, at least 30 years old. So for someone who claims to be like at the level of music expertise that they should be doing reaction videos, for them to never have heard of Primus or not be familiar, it's just it's really, really funny to watch the looks on their face. I don't know. That's kind of a genre of reaction video is like, listen to a type of music you know nothing about. Like, um, I, I, I know there's a lot of people who do that. And that's kind of their shtick. So it's, it's not surprising. And I think a lot of people like Primus flew under lots of people's radar. Like, well, I, don't yes. know a, I don't know a lot of Primus, but I know of them and I know that they're just fucking weird in a great way. Well, and add on to, to what Taj just said. On top of that, Primus is the only band in history, as far as I'm aware, is that the last time I checked up on MP3 standards and MP3 V3 tags, I believe, is, is the particular standard. Primus is the only band that has their own genre. There is not another band on the planet that you go go look for the genre. Primus is in the list. Primus is the genre. The, yes, they are their own. Yes, they do have their very own genre in MP3, uh, ID3, V. Is it V3? Whatever the the whatever in the tags. Yes, genre. Primus is a genre. That seems legit. And there may very well be other bands that can fit are that in genre. the Primus genre. Yeah, but I haven't heard one yet. I don't know of any. I mean, the only other bands that are in that genre are basically all the other bands that Les Claypool is in and just fucking around. So, I mean, it's basically just Primus. Yeah, really, Les Claypool should be the genre. <laughs> it, it literally I mean, is. I, uh, I've listened to um, Frog Brigade, and they did a cover of... And now I forget what. Let me go dig through my music library and see if I can find it. While you do that, I will admit I have never heard of Frog Brigade, but it might be one of the best out, uh, band names I've ever heard, so I'm definitely checking out Frog Brigade. I, I mean, it's it's Les Claypool in the Frog Brigade. Oh, yeah, well, I'm in. I'm in, 100%. I mean, Primus yeah. was like 98% Les Claypool, so there you go. Oh, yes, it really was. But you know what? Frog Brigade sounds like it could have been a Primus song now that I think of it. You're, you're correct. While I go look for that, let me tell you about what I have picked for us for this coming month. I, I hope that folks enjoy. To quote this the kids, is, let's go. Yes, let's go indeed. Uh, so this is an album by a... Um, I'm so excited. Let me see if I can find a good description of them. Oh, that's not a good sign. Okay, so this is an album by Infected Mushroom. Uh, they are an Israeli music duo formed in 96. Uh, and they produce and perform Psytrance, Electronica, Dream Trance, and Psychedelic Music. Do you have to be on any of those any of those things to listen, or is it good on its own? No, because I, I have not been on any of those things, and I still very much enjoy this. Is, it, is this the concert you went to and you were like, I'm too old for concerts now? Yes. <laughs> I, it was, I was I'm too like, old I'm for pretty concerts. sure I remember that story. <laughs> Part of it was I'm too old for concerts, and the other part of it was the person who did sound for them sucked. Well, that's not unusual. Okay, so the album is from 2007 and is entitled Vicious Delicious. 
it is available for purchase. Uh, I recommend not buying the physical album because the physical album is listed at $118 on Amazon. Uh, or you can download buy the digital album from them, or you can listen to it directly on SoundCloud, which, while not as good as Bandcamp, is still pretty good. Well, I'm excited. This just their web page, the uh, the graphics there looks like an album cover that I would have a hard time not buying if I was flipping through used CDs at the record store. The funny thing is, my favorite song of theirs is not on this album, and I actually don't particularly care for the album that it's on. Not that I dislike it, but it just this is the one that has the most concentrated bangers. This is the one that's most likely to punish your best friends. No, it really is not. Best friends. No, it's not. I had to double check the album of the month list because I have meant, been meaning to recommend this to you guys for a long time, and I am astounded that I had not already done so. I'm just as surprised that I haven't heard of them and recommended it. This, like, graphically, this all looks like my entire library um i heard about them listening to some like hacker uh technology podcasts uh a guy named dave kennedy was all about them and i'm like okay i'll check this out oh holy shit this is so good i like that they're current they're still playing music and and um playing concerts i mean i saw them in portland like two or three years ago no more like four five or six years ago i guess it's been a while i forget how old i am I'm old. I'm as old. I'm old enough where time starts getting slippery. Yep, in there. It's a good way to describe that. I, I wish you hadn't put such a fine pin in it. How do you pin it, down slippery Lyle? Damn it! I'm just that good. Anyway, yes. Please enjoy uh, "Vicious Delicious." It is a real favorite of mine. So uh, that feedback, though. Yeah. Speaking of uh, songs and stuff, we got. I got some feedback actually just a few hours ago. From my very good friend Gil. Hi, Gil. In six months, when you're finally listening to this episode, he uh, <laughs> he's behind. This sounds guy. like I a dig, bro. No, he's catching up. It's in the best possible way. He respects us enough to save us till he can pay the proper attention. I do the same thing. You are giving him way too much credit. I was. I just. I, I'm. I'm not giving us that credit. But let's be clear about that. Uh, anyway. Uh, he says that he, he just responds with listening to episode 73 prodigy has the best theme song has the best theme song. And it took me several hours to realize he was talking about Star Trek prodigy. I'm not, like, not what are you even talking about? Band. Oh, I'm just like, I have no idea what the context for this is, but I'm still going to talk about it because that's just too funny. So he didn't mean the login music as opposed to AOL or windows like dun, 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 dun. Uh, I, I don't think so. I would say he's partially correct. I think it's the second best theme song for Star Trek. What do you think is the best? I still think Strange New World's theme song slaps. I th- <laughs> I just I know it's not like the most creative, but just the way they turn around the original theme and make it awesome, I, I'm there for that. But I think probably no, no, I agree. Second. I think it's a no. I agree. I think it's a really good balance of calling back to the old while still being new quick question about callbacks when you say that theme music slaps do you mean like the same way that les claypool slaps like as in there's a new way to to play and listen to bass sure yeah means it's good wow a whole friggin genre and slaps some slang i do have something to say about prodigy though while we're here prodigy the show show or or prodigy the login network The, the show the, the TV show. 
so we were sitting around the house and i i've always wondered like i dig prodigy but i get what prodigy is like it is designed to get kids into star trek which part of me doesn't get because i was a kid and i got into star trek like the original series so it's like part of me is like you don't need to change it but good it's always, point i was curious like does, is this working like is, is this a thing um so we were sitting around and flipping through uh paramount on the tv and my four-year-old goes what's that and it was prodigy and i was like oh it's 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 a show daddy kind of likes this you want to watch it she was like yes proceeded to watch the entire show in one day um and is sketching all the characters everywhere so uh mission accomplished guys it worked that's weird like she is she was so into the show now once she got done with all the episodes she was done like she she gave up on it but like she was running around pretending to be the characters like she was that into it of course she has to be done with it she's too young for nostalgia but it's weird that it needs to be child specific because when i was a kid i just liked star trek because it was interesting it wasn't geared towards me i sort of bended towards it i think looking at and actually getting to like mainline the show in, in a very compressed amount of time um I think the show is smart. It starts off looking nothing like Star Trek, being nothing like Star Trek. It's it's basically an, a kid's show um, with lots of explosions and action and stuff. And they just happen to find a ship. And as it goes on and they get closer to like Federation space, it evolves into a Star Trek show, um, which is kind that's of... Good to, that's good to know because we stalled out after a couple of episodes. I'll have to go back to it. Yeah, it, it definitely... Because like in the beginning... There would be things in the first couple episodes where it was like, if I was six years old and watching this show, and I I would make that. Like, it made total sense. But it didn't make sense as a Star Trek show. It was still enjoyable. Like, I liked it. But it, I'm like, other than there being a ship and a hologram Janeway, like, this isn't Star Trek. It has become a Star Trek show um, over time. And so it's it's interesting to see where it is to the point where I was watching Star Trek just randomly and she recognized that it was it was the same show. It was just with real people and not animated. Oh, so, all right. Was, that was my next question. Was was this animated or live action? Yeah, it's oh, animated. it's very it's very animated. It's very pretty. I'm like, uh huh. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very stylized, but it is very pretty. I think I'm gonna give this a try. This sounds really really cool. I'd, I'd like to maybe I, I think I'll pre run it, but it sounds like something I can watch with my nieces. Um, I really feel like they saw Clone Wars and be like, man, we want some of that. They do, uh, it, it, especially towards the beginning. They were like, yeah, the, we got to make this to be interesting. But the, but the whole idea of giving these characters and explaining to them what the Federation is to a bunch of kids who were like prisoners and had never seen like freedom and say, oh, there's this whole thing in a different part of space that is just this all the time. It's the Federation and having them want to become Starfleet. Um, it introduces all all the ideas of Star Trek because they have to learn what all the ideas are. And they like, they'll do a prime directive episode and then they're like, Oh, well that's why there's a prime directive. You know, it's, it's things like that, that, that it becomes a Star Trek as it goes on. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely going to check this out. My, my nieces and I, we started reading. I don't know if I told you guys about this, maybe a year ago, year and change. We started reading um, brave Ollie possum by Ethan Nicole as, as a book to sit down with. And, it, they loved it at first because they loved all the voices. I don't think they'd ever heard someone read a book out loud like that. Um, 
but the younger two have fallen off and it's just me and the oldest one but i think the younger younger two could watch you know colors and flashing lights yeah it tends tends to work i I almost got it that was almost the name of a professor click album i I screwed it up though no so early but uh how about we grab a quick intermission i was begging for one in the back channel thank you for bringing it up I, i don't believe in subtlety it's wire and flashing lights. I almost got it right. That would have been such a cool callback. Yeah, well. Let's all go to the bathroom. Let's all go to the bathroom. Thank you guys so much. And thank you, listener, for having patience with us to not be super consistent. Well, they're aiming for disappointment if they are expecting that. No, we, we're, we're consistent. Consistently inconsistent. Consistently disappointing. Uh, yep. I can see at least one thing on Taj's list that was consistently not disappointing. And what was that? Sandman. Oh, 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 oh yeah. I, I'm going to say this. I think that this is the best adaptation of something that I've ever seen. And just so you know, Sandman is a thing that I go back and read pretty much every year. That's how much I love the comics. Um, yeah, the show was amazing. Is this the Spider-Man villain? No. The things they have in common are the name. Yes. End of list. And that's what the, one of the reasons I like this adaptation of it is, A, they had to make changes. There was no way they were going to get away with doing it exactly the, the way the comics were. Because, I mean, there are, there are literally um, like panels from the comic book where Batman is there. You know, Martian Manhunter comes and meets the Sandman. Uh, they're, they're like one of the main villains in, that's in the show from the comics, the hospital he is in is Arkham Asylum. Like it is so connected to the DC universe that there was no way they were going to let him get away with that. Um, like John Constantine is in this, uh, even though they change it for the show. Um, but every change they made, I think made it better. Um, so it, it, it looks good. It's well acted. Uh, it, all the changes are great. I, I just want more. And apparently they finally said they are doing a second season. But um, for a long time, it was kind of in the air. What network is this on? Netflix. Netflix. Balls. Wow. This It sounds really good from what you've said so far. It sounds like they should bring Spider-Man in because the rest of their characters sound all like like really fleshed out and stuff. Like there's a coherent universe. Yeah, it's always sort of like the... Um, especially in the comics, it was like, okay, there's this whole realm that doesn't exist normally in DC comics. Like you would never see Sandman characters go into other DC comics, but you would see them come into Sandman um, because Sandman is very like uh, mythological and magical and um, not superheroes at all. Like it was just like, Oh, we, we've, gone into like fucking weird space and that's what we're dealing with um so it was always that in the comics and the show just kind of leans into that that it's just this weird other world that that intersects with our own occasionally so does he have 
any superpowers or just mysticism? I'm, I'm trying to get up to speed here. Uh, he is literally dream. Yeah, he is dreams. That he is why you have dreams. He is who controls your dreams. He, whenever you dream, you go into his realm and he controls it. Oh, okay. Lovecraft. No, no. Like, uh, a, a sort of a how do you more say like Freddy Krueger, but not like vicious and murdering. Yeah. Like, is there to help you until he's not? And then he just, he will fuck your world up. That's what I, I said. Mean, Lovecraft. But no, no. Lovecraftian things are never there to help you. Oh, no. The Dream World one was. It was a short story. That one was there. It was just to expose the Dream Realm to you. Oh, okay. I don't know that I've read that one. So it, it could be you're referencing a part of Lovecraft's works that I'm not familiar with. Uh, yeah, maybe I am. I'm sorry. I, I, I My uh, misinterpretation of my own experience is that, you know, what little bit of Lovecraft I've exposed myself to was like common knowledge for all Lovecraftian fans. So yeah, you, you're probably, you're probably right. It was probably just a, a side thing. I mean, the common knowledge part of Lovecraft is he was a racist piece of shit. Yeah. See, I didn't even know that much. I just knew about the squid face guy and the non-Euclidean geometry and the, the flying through dream realm that was probably real world and real world was probably dreaming. I mean, in a time when everything was a little more racist, he was like notably over the top racist. Oh, I had no idea. Can we can we like make an edict that Cthulhu should now be referred to as the flying squid monster guy? Th that sounds considerably less threatening. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I thought he always was. That's new. No, just nobody calls him that. Really? All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, we can do that just for you, Taj. We'll do that just for you, and to keep me on topic. Hey. It will be a first time for everything. Yeah, I would say if nobody's seen, read the comics or seen the show, like just do yourself a favor, watch it. They even do like, so the comics are set up in a way that is very structured and they, they copy the structure of the comics. Like it is, it is laid out exactly the same way. They're like little mini arcs. And then occasionally they'll throw in like little one-off sort of episodes that are kind of in between things. Um, so they dropped the whole show and then they dropped an 11th episode that was sort of uh, a one that was sort of an animated cute one that is, is from the comics. But the other one is like one of the most like ugh, uh, stories from the comics. And they just fucking went for it. And it was awesome. Yeah, they did. Now, like, I will say it was really I have, good. I have I have the other perspective. The show was my introduction to the property other than, you know, yeah, I have read a comic book, so I know that this thing existed, but had never engaged with it until I watched the show, and hot damn, I immediately went to find the comics so I could read them, because that's how good it is. Yeah, I mean, it is one of the... Th it blew my mind when the comics... Well, the comics had been out before I started reading them. They were they were out for a while. But when I found them, uh, that's what showed me that, like, okay, there are things besides tights and capes. Like, that comics can be a literary Get platform. out. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. All right. I have some questions. Go on. So his superpower seems to be that he's in control of the dream realm. Am, am I getting that right? Well, I mean, I think that the fundamental problem is you're thinking about him as a superhero. Stop that. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not thinking of him as a superhero at all. In fact, not even thinking of him as super let alone hero, but just he's in control of the dream realm. 
I think the best way to describe it is he, he is the god of dreams, and this is his story. He, he is a fundamental force of the universe, okay. personified. Yeah, and I think that that's that's one of the things that 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 makes it interesting is like because people will be like, "You're you're the god of dreams," and he's like, "No, I'm not a god. I'm before that." I'm so like there are these beings and he's one of them called the endless. They've just existed as long as existence has been here. They're fundamental forces of reality. They just um, they are. Yeah, and so they're so otherworldly and different, but yet uh some of the best parts of it are when like he gets bored, he decides like I'm going to see what humans do, you know, <laughs> and just decides to do it. Hey Lyle. Huh. Did you heard did you hear Taj just turn his big bottom mic on or was it just on my end? Oh, no. He's definitely all about that bass now. That was mid-sentence, Taj, whatever you just did. Yeah, I think my mixer's going bad. <laughs> There's something going on because I'm not changing anything. Well, I mean, Sir Mix-a-Lot would have been happy. It was sexy. Hey, hey, guys. So he has no backstory because he's just infinite. He has a backstory, but his backstory is like in media res. Like he's been around so long that like... They will mention things like more in the comics than in the show. They they do it a little bit. Like whenever he's around his siblings who are the other endless, they will bring up things that have happened in their past that like you don't know about unless they go back and tell it. But he doesn't have like an origin story. I mean, that's like t- giving the origin story of the universe. Where do you start that? Okay, so he's like a fundamental force. What's the the is there a character arc? Does he learn anything along the way? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what story arc there is. So, like, sometimes um, he will, like, the first arc that is in the, the comics, and it's the, the arc that the show starts with, is there is a group of people who, you know, occultists in England who try to summon death, who is one of the endless, um, and they mess up and they get dream. <laughs> and so they imprison him for like 100 years. Um, to where he can't communicate with anybody. He's stuck in sort of the human realm and stuff like that. Um, and they keep him like in this glass globe and just stare at him. And they're, they they keep saying, we'll let you go if you bring back somebody who died. Like, I forget who the character is that died that they went back in. And he literally just stares at him because he's like, A, I couldn't do that even if I wanted to. That's not my my job. And B, uh, when I get out of here, like, uh, y'all going to get it. <laughs> and so when he gets out, like, what happened to his realm when he was gone and like what happens when he gets mad about it and like is he causing the problems or it, it, it's it's very psychological like a lot of the stuff so so that's one thing and then there's another arc where like he is in the middle ages and he finds a guy that um is like i'm not gonna die because i think it's a choice you know fuck all you losers who die i don't want to die and so uh morpheus who's dream is sitting there with death who's his sister and he's and they they make a bet. They're like, we're gonna give him immortality and see how long it takes for him to like want to die. And they give him immortality and they check in with him. I think it's every hundred years. Um, and and he becomes friends with him and realizes that like every hundred years, this guy's like, no, I don't want to die. That's stupid. Why would I want to do mean, that? Even there was even like hundred years he was absolutely miserable, and he's like, nah, nah, because it can only get better from here. So I mean, it's it's almost like Dream is the main character, but. There, there are whole story arcs of the comic where Dream's not even in it. It's just like this is this world that they play in. So it's 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 very just it, it's its own thing. Like there's not many things out there like it. So, so it's like Primus, where it's its own genre. Yeah, kinda. And Death, like 
Deadpool's girlfriend? No, like actual. No, no, Thanos' girlfriend. Yes, except for in the movies where they made it stupid. Wait, Thanos' girlfriend is Deadpool's girlfriend. No, no. Deadpool's girlfriend is dead. Thanos' girlfriend is death. There's a difference. No. Deadpool has two girlfriends. Yes, one is dead, one is death. That's why Deadpool is immortal, because Thanos cursed him to be immortal, because if he ever died, he would steal his girlfriend, death. We've clearly seen very different things with Deadpool. I don't know, man. I just read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> not, not just, not today. I mean, I, in the past, months ago. That's okay. why. I mean, this, I mean, this is Marvel Comics, so I absolutely believe that that's a story that somebody has written. It's batshit crazy enough that, yes, I believe somebody wrote that. Yeah, that's why if you cut off Deadpool's head and then cut his head open and take his brain out and smash his brain to mush, the brain will come back together and the head will reform and the body, body will rebuild around it because he can't die. He's literally immortal because he's been cursed by Thanos because Thanos knows that death is more attracted to him than to Thanos. Okay, see, I, the, the, the storyline I was familiar with was somehow he was a product of fucking around Wolverine's DNA. Yeah, see, I don't even, like, I don't read comic books, so I'm probably just dumb. But that's what I saw on, on I don't know if it was, on YouTube somebody explained it, or maybe it was the Wikipedia page. I, I don't know, I've done both sometime I mean, in the Marvel past. Comics does some, like, they just, like, hey, what if we just do some weird-ass bullshit? Yes, please. As we're well, saying, right, and, yet some, and yet somehow they spent decades trying to convince us that Charles Xavier was the good guy. This thing sounds cool, and I might have to check it out, but it would mean that I would have to... Um, get another Netflix account, which I really, really despised when I had it. My wife would watch the most horrible shows. But then again, I canceled it and she started watching 24. <laughs> I watched like one season of that uh, a long time ago and I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm done. You have no, watching a whole season, the first season anyway, if you watch the first season, you have no idea the PTSD that that show can induce in like the fourth and fifth and sixth seasons. If you just kind of wander into the room at any random moment that's yeah it's nothing compared to the later seasons dude i mean yes it's brutal but not that that fucking piece of shit garbage show that i hate more than any television show that's ever been on tv was such government let's torture motherfuckers propaganda it just it it turns my stomach it makes me sick yep we have similar feelings and someday i'll tell you guys how i really feel yeah at some point you should stop being so subtle yeah, if if I had words to be less subtle about how disgusting I find that show, I I would share them with you. Kiefer Sutherland should burn in hell next to Adolf Hitler with the pineapple up his ass for for the influence he had on our country with that show. It, it's it's that disgusting to me. Ooh, pineapple! Fucking pineapple, so good, dude. Not the Kiefer Sutherland way, but yeah, pineapple's delicious. Can we talk about something good? Sure. Lyle, how good is Firefox? Uh, shockingly good. Dude, it's amazing. I, if, if I can't get Firefox on something, I'm not using it. I mean, I've been using Chrome for several years. I mean, I remember when I switched, when it first came out, and Firefox was kind of not great, and Chrome was this new, fast, super good thing. And I just started using Firefox again, and holy shit, guys. Even something as simple as I have Firefox Sync set up between all my devices, and so just, like, where I opened a tab is kind of irrelevant now, and I love it. Dude, containerized tabs uh, is life-changing, and I cannot not use them. Like, 
where Chrome, you had to like open a whole new window, like just to be able to spawn a tab and it'd be completely assigned to an account um, is amazing. I've been using Firefox the whole time. I mean, I remember when I was a wee lad in high school and I found out about Firefox and it was great. You know, tabbed browsing. Holy shit. I don't have to open a new window every time I want another website. Yeah, I've been using it since then. Well, and then Firefox got like kind of crusty and slow when Chrome came out and Chrome was just so fast. I stuck with them through that because I trusted them more than Google at the time. I was not cynical enough to, to do that. In fact, I have no idea how much better Chrome was than Firefox because I never bothered to check it out. I never attempted to trust Google. And for me, it was never about trusting or not trusting. It was simply a, this does this works better or not, was the yeah, but, only math I was doing in my head. Yeah, but Firefox worked good enough that I was able to stick with it. It was still, like compared to all the people around me, it was still way better than Explorer. And it was way before Edge, which even Edge is worse than Explorer. But it's, I mean, it's, no, 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 it's not. Oh, yes, it is. Taj doesn't know this because he doesn't have to touch Windows computers. But sometimes, Taj, in the middle of your day, for absolutely no reason whatsoever, you'll go to open a PDF and it opens an Edge. And so will all of your PDFs. I mean, that sounds like every browser now. Yeah, every browser is a PDF reader. No, it makes itself the default PDF reader without your permission, randomly, multiple times in a single day. To be completely honest, the Firefox PDF reader, like just recently, uh, is way better than any PDF reader I've ever used. Like you can sign documents and stuff. It, it's it's amazing. Oh, yeah, completely as an aside, the Firefox PDF reader has always been the best PDF reader. That For 10, 12 years now, it's been the best. But that's beside the point. I'm just talking about random like OS behavior. Wow, it's shocking to me that you guys didn't know. Like, I don't even use all these advanced features you guys are talking about with Firefox. I've never even checked them out. It's just Firefox just works. That's the thing that everyone always wanted was something that just works. And Firefox always has and always will. The only thing Firefox ever did that really, really annoyed me, um, they changed something about, I guess, their basic platform, their basic structure. I want to say maybe eight years ago. Um, and they broke a lot, a lot of plugins. They wouldn't allow plugins, I'm guessing, like yeah, to they, touch... They changed they changed their plugin API and what things plugins could and couldn't do. Yeah, what they could and couldn't touch on your OS, like beyond, like it wouldn't let it reach outside of the level that Firefox operated on, which I, in from a security I, perspective, that is a good change. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, from a usability standpoint, it really broke some like necessary functionality for some of us. Listen, there were people out there relying on Firefox to fix Windows and Firefox broke that, that, you know, maybe they shouldn't have on some level. If it was really that, like, serious a security risk in the first place, then instead of breaking it and, and making sure, like, plugins couldn't do that, they should have just wrote a plugin to fix it. No, I mean, the way you do, you, you do that, but with privilege isolation, it, it is technically the right thing to do. Yeah, I know, I know. It, Ten years ago, everyone would have caught that joke. I've also started using something else I hadn't used in, you know, 20 years and uh, am surprised at how good it is. Yes, be prepared for Taj to fight me. I've been ready I, for this all week. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's going to be a battle royale because I'm in the third of the fourth corners. So just having a Steam Deck and just like occasionally needing to drop to desktop mode to do some nonsense, that desktop mode on the Steam Deck is KDE. So like, you're what? really, really missing GNOME. Gano. Uh, <laughs> nice. I, I'm like, wow, this is shockingly very good. This feels, the design patterns feel like they looked at Windows and are like, hey, now what if I actually cared about how things looked and felt and then did the same patterns, but better. And as someone who uses Windows as one of my daily drivers, having something that has the same design patterns makes a lot of sense in my brain so I don't have to completely mode shift just to use a different computer. But I, it, every time I go from Windows to my my Windows desktop to my Fedora laptop, I'm like, oh God, this is designed by somebody who cares about me and my experience. Which is not what Windows does. No, not at all. Well, I think what brought this up is um, I actually got a Steam Deck finally. Uh, mine came uh, last week. Hey, way to bury the lead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I was talking about how I, I love it. There's only a couple problems. Uh, one is a plumbing issue with like flat packs that I get it. I get why it's that way. It's just dumb. And I don't like the way that it works. Uh, uh, it, flat packs on the Steam Deck specifically or flat packs in general? In general. Like uh, the sandboxing is a little too egregious for me, um, especially for like connections between programs. There, It's really hard to do. And especially on the Steam Deck where it is a um immutable operating system like there's no way yeah. around it I've, I've started like looking at that some because fedora has one called silver blue that that's the whole design is you get the base os and then you get flat packs and hey fuck off you don't get to install like user level applications it's the os is all system and then you get flat packs which I think is a fantastic design from, again, from a security isolation perspective. The thing that interests me is what were you trying to do that it wouldn't let you? And I'm interested in why it won't let you. Wait, before you answer that, did you say that was Fedora that did that? That's Fedora has a version that does that. Yeah, Fedora has a version called Silverblue that does that as well. The Steam Deck is based on a, a very, very like custom arch. Interesting. Okay, thank you. So the big thing that uh, was an issue for me is I use KeyPassXE for all my uh, passwords, and I sync it using SyncThing. Um, I can get SyncThing to talk to everything, because I guess that's just the way it's wired. Um, I can get it talk to talk to KeyPassXE. Um, Firefox has a browser extension that will talk to my KeyPass normally, to where I can just use all my passwords in my browser, and it's fine. Um, yeah, it's how it's all supposed to work. Yeah, they cannot talk to each other in flat packs because of the way that they're designed. Um, so hey, that's really I'm astounded that this hasn't been solved. I, me too, to be completely honest, because <laughs> a lot of people use this, and I can't imagine I'm the only person struggling with it. I mean, yes, I can open my key pass and copy and paste and move it over. Um, a, that's probably less than secure, and B, it's fucking annoying. But if that's the worst of my problems, whatever, I'm I'm fine with it. Um, the other thing I didn't like about it was every time I dropped to desktop mode, it's KDE, and KDE makes my eyes want to vomit, um, and that has never changed. <laughs> so we started this like turf war about you know GNOME versus KDE. KDE, when I first saw it, looked like Windows ninety eight, 
it it was a little more advanced than 95 it wasn't quite um network edition but it it always looked that way to me early on and as it advanced it looked like someone spent a lot of time polishing a turd but that first impression couldn't be wiped away and i apologize i know that's not what it is it's just how i've always seen it there's i mean it's it's even down to like i i think literally something as simple as like rounded corners versus sharp corners like and like font rendering and things like that it's it's down at that level that like they just make choices i don't like because i mean I can make things work. Like KDE is completely serviceable. It does pretty much anything I want it to do. Um, I just don't like the way it looks. And I can change the theme, which it did, and it helps. But um, my brain is so wired to the like gnome way of thinking versus KDE, which is sort of that Windows paradigm that I I haven't used a Windows computer in, I mean, more than twenty years. I mean, I've used them, but like not on the daily. So, so jealous. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's not the way my brain works anymore. And GNOME, what it can't do, uh, somebody wrote an extension to fix it. Like, you just got to go find the extension and plug it in. Are they as easy to find as Firefox plugins used to be? Yeah, no, literally. You just go to extensions and GNOME and search, and they're all right there. Where are you looking for them? Do you have to find them in the, in the repos, or are they online somewhere and you have to work around the repos no they're online um i well i think some of them are in the repo like for arch like most of the extensions are in the repos too like you can pull them and, and sideload them if you want but they're all just javascript i mean they're pretty simple i i'm using cinnamon which is like gnome 2.0 but modified and and uh you know kept modern but i've never attempted to plug an extension and it's never done anything i didn't need it to do uh, I mean, Cinnamon is, what if we took GNOME 3.0 and used and built GNOME 2.0 with this toolkit? Yeah, I guess, or with the graphics. I, I In fact, I, I mean, couldn't it, tell you it, the difference. I, I'm not a programmer. I, I, I couldn't begin, if my life depended on it, to tell you the difference. It's just, it's what I run, as I said a million times before, because I have to support it for a friend. And if we're being 100% honest, I he probably even would be on GNOME 3 if it weren't for the weird graphics that they used on their settings page, it was like a coffee mug with a weird face on it and pens coming out of its head. If it weren't for that one specific graphic, we'd probably both be on, on GNOME 3. See, I don't even know what the default icons are because that's one of the first things that change. It wasn't even an icon. It was like a, like a, a splash screen for the settings page. It's really weird. I that did... was enough to turn you off of it? Or turn him off of it? It turned him off of it, yes. He's he's an older guy. It doesn't take much. I did find in the KDE like theme thing, the same theme that I use for GNOME. And that helped a lot. Um, so it's not terrible. I, I just, well, I, you know, I was going to say I don't like that it doesn't have a quick launcher, but it may have a quick launcher. I just don't know about it because I'm not using a keyboard. So that, that may be a, like the whole going to a menu to find things is weird to me. I mean, on my laptop, I push the Windows key and start typing and it works just like a quick launcher. Okay, so that's oh. not an issue. That's just, I, I'm using it on a non-computer and that's why it's acting that way. I mean, how do you think using GNOME on that same non-computer would work? It... <laughs> Probably a hundred times worse. Like, I will admit, I don't think GNOME would be good on this machine. Uh... Yeah, no, I don't think GNOME would be better. 
Yeah, but wait a minute, Lyle. You said Windows button. So on a Windows machine, I use Windows machines very, very, very differently than I use Linux machines. If if I mean, I'm using it, it is the same the same button, the button with the four squares on it that is called the Windows key. It opens up the Windows menu in on KDE it opens up the same kind of start menu esque thing and you do the same thing where you push the Windows key and you start typing the program you want and then it's there in the list. Okay, okay. From a keyboard standpoint, I can see where that's the same. All right. From from a, a mousing standpoint, when I use a Windows computer, it's it's only at work. So I have a certain set of programs that I'm gonna use and I never use my personal programs on that. So it's I mean it's a lot. It's maybe 20, 25 programs, but they're enough that I can just pin them to the bar at the bottom of the screen. And I never have to hit the Windows button with my mouse or on my keyboard. I never have to touch it when I'm using a Windows machine. It's just the programs that are at the bottom of the screen and they minimize to that same little space. Whereas when I'm using a Linux machine, I could Dude, the sky's the limit. It's it's the edges of the universe that I could touch with Linux. So there's no way you could possibly fit that into the context of pinning it to your little bar at the bottom of the screen. It's it's a menu button that that that. I mean, the sky's the limit with Linux. I mean, I don't know how better to describe it than that. And the follow-on effect to that is that when I'm on my Windows machine at work, if I like hit minimize everything and just show the desktop you wouldn't see anything except for my wallpaper whereas on my linux machine it would look like a fucking disaster of links and shortcuts and files that i'm working on and folders full of files that i need to finish i actively disable the desktop in that way in on every computer i touch because i i, I can't I, I can't look at that it, it breaks my brain First off, if I see the desktop background, it's as I'm closing things down or starting things up. Otherwise, it's just covered in windows. But like it being a place to put files is just not a not a usage pattern that I can click with. Like the file manager gets me files. I don't want them. I don't want to look at them until I'm ready to go look at them. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I, I have them. The desktop metaphor for me is exactly that. It's a metaphor. That's where I put things while I'm working on them. If, if I filed them away in the file system while I was still working on them, I would forget that they existed and I would forget that they need to be finished, which I do anyway, but it would be even worse. While we're talking about desktops, I mean, I use Cinnamon and it's got like basic things built into it that I've never really needed or wanted more. I can, you know, like, rip a CD if I have to, which I know is real old school at this point, um, or, or create a CD from that. I can move files. That's, and that's the basic operation of a, of a computer to me is moving files around and, and sorting them in different ways. And, and Cinnamon's very, very good at that. I have no idea what the advanced features of, of KDE or GNOME would be at this point. Well, I think that's kind of ultimately what we came down to is that like you can do whatever in any of these. And the fact that we have like we can have this argument because there are so many good versions and you can pick what you want. It's amazing. Like you can't do that on Windows. You can't do that on Mac. Like that is a ultimate selling point of Linux just right there. It's we can, we can all have a different perspective and none of us are wrong except Tosh. 
I was like, no, you're wrong, but like, it, it's fine. You can be wrong. It's nobody's going to hassle you for. It. Tell me if this is true or not, because it's been my observation, but I fall into neither category. But it seems like people who like Emacs, like KDE, and people who like Vim seem to like GNOME. Unless I mean, you're me. It, it, I mean, unless you're talking about the people on this uh, on this podcast, then you were entirely backwards. In which case, I did it on purpose just to be engaging, not because I'm an idiot. I mean, oh. it's really, it's people who use Windows a lot tend to like KDE, and people who use Mac a lot tend to like GNOME. Okay, now I, I sort of have to disagree with that. I, I understand that at some point in our history, KDE looked more like Windows and GNOME looked more like looked more like Mac, but I I may be the exception to that rule because I was looking for something that didn't look like Windows, and I fell on GNOME, and and I liked it for that reason. And I think I don't want to speak for Klaatu, but I remember him saying something similar that he came from the Apple world and landed on KDE because it didn't look like what he was used to. Okay, I, I mean. I think you're still proving my point, even by, you know, the the inverse of it still proves it. Well, that just means you're the best kind of correct. What I mean is, I I want KDE Uh, because it works the same way. You want GNOME because it doesn't work the same way. You intentionally want something that is not that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I, I like the segregation between work and play. I, I, I like separating the two. And it's weird because over time, my customizations and then the default settings of gnome have looked more and more and more like windows slash kde so maybe it's kind of beside the point anyway and cinnamon kind of threads the needle between those two things anyway i'll take your word from that i haven't looked real far outside those borders so a couple times this week or actually one time this week but for a really really long time i wandered around um, it like an antique store. It's like a weird cross between an antique store and a secondhand store that we have here at our in our town, and it's all consignment stuff. Like there's all little areas, and each one the stuff has a price tag on it, and on the tag has like a vendor number, and that vendor gets paid for what you like. And all over this place, everything's different. But what I kept seeing repeatedly was weird obscure, I believe, at least to me, obscure, old comic books. Um, and they were cheap. They were like dirt cheap. But they, and that's what I thought of when I was looking at, at Taj's topic for Radiant Black. They reminded me of that sort of obscurity and accessibility. Um, okay. If, if you mean by uh, obscurity, like one of the hottest things in comics that I just like fucking ignored forever? Yeah, the thing I only heard of tonight when I was reading your show notes. Yeah, yeah, that happened. Um, so yeah, uh, how do how do I like start this? This is a long story. So yes, uh, Radiant Black has been like blowing up with like comic book people for a while. Um, as like everybody was like, this is this is you know the thing to read. I totally ignored it because I have not been reading new comics. Like I just uh, once Comicsology kind of died for me. I I just haven't been reading comics. Um, a while apparently, ago. apparently, apparently, I'm not comic book people because I don't know what this is. Yeah, I'm, well, maybe it's just because uh, my friends are all nerds and <laughs> like I'm tied into that uh, sort of subculture. But um, present company excluded, Lyle. Yeah, clearly. 
Um, so a while back, a friend of mine who was younger, who was into comic books, came to me and he's like, bro, you were sleeping on the Power Rangers comic books. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, no, check it out. And I did. He like lent me some of them and I, I read like the first couple trades and it was good, but it was one of those things that I felt like, like I enjoyed the story, but I felt like I had to go to Wikipedia, like every, you know, other page to go look up something that I didn't know from the show. Um, it was definitely designed for people who watched the show. And it was just not a thing that I, I had like a big touchstone with as a kid, but like, I liked the story. I liked where it was going. I like kind of the, the scope of it. We get um, it. You're a, a mighty Morphin Beetleborgs guy. Yeah. Creepy yeah, Jay Leno. Yeah. We, we're there. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of, I, I was like, okay, I like this, but it's not something I'm going to keep reading. Um, he again reached out and he's like, have you read Radiant Black? And I'm like, no, is this going to be another Power Rangers thing? He's like, yes, it's the same guy that wrote those Power Ranger comics, but he's making his own thing. And I was like, oh, okay, well, if I can get on the ground floor, maybe I'll like it. Um, and I did. And to sum it up, basically what it is, is if you took sort of the broad concept of sort of a Sentai team, like like Power Rangers, and you mixed it with a little bit of like American superheroes, and you made like the main characters uh, like normal people that are adults instead of teenagers and that's reading in black and it's fucking phenomenal like it's so good <laughs> like um wait 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 how did it become radiant black and not the dc time travel spaceship thing that my wife watched for a year and a half i i don't know how those are related no but you just that's a team like the senkai whatever word you just used plus american superheroes that's what it equal that on the other side of the equal sign that's how the equation balanced but you're no. saying it balanced a different way somehow where did it yeah. diverge like the the five members on a team all of them are a different color like that mixed with superheroes like from the that's what the spaceship time travel show no, was that was like we want doctor who mixed up with our our superheroes no, come on. Two of them combined to make a fire guy and then one turned into a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is, is I've watched enough of that show that I know exactly what you're referencing. Yes, I know, I know you I do. Know That's the, why I, I need you to tell me where the divergence happened that one turned into a super cool comic book and one turned into a puppet. Well, I don't know. I, I know the two turned into a fire guy. What I don't know about the end one turned into a puppet. They had an episode where <laughs> they turned into puppets. Like it, That's how off thing. the rails that show is. I mean, Angel did that once years ago. And that's that's kind of what that show is. It's, it's just like, we're going to have fun with this. Like, we're not even going to try to take it seriously. It was not fun. It was insulting. I thought it was fun for a while, and then it got dumb. And that's when I, like, lost. Well, the, it's basically when I stopped watching all the DC shows is when, like, it seemed like the writers it's were when away. the guy turned into a puppet. I'm with you. That's when I stopped watching, too. No, I, I kept going after that. The worst thing is... That actor shows up on a lot of things that my wife watches. And every time I walk in the room, I go, isn't that the puppet guy? And she puts her, she face palms and goes, yes. He is a very famous. Is he usually famous, a puppet? No, he is a very yes. famous, uh, like, musical puppet? actor. No, he's a puppet. Lyle's right. He's a puppet. He's a very famous puppet. Yeah. He's like the George Bush Jr. of actors. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to wow. take that. Well, George Bush Jr. was a puppet. Okay. Of the CIA. And if you ever look at him, really, 
the felt is just matted down a little bit. He's a fucking puppet. I wouldn't insult puppets that way. Well, unless you were DC, in which case you made this guy a puppet. And like Jim Henson's rolling over in his grave going, no, that's not what Technofoam is supposed to be. I don't know the real name of that foam. I'm sorry. That's okay. Anyways, that comic book though. No, I mean it's it's just it's it's written in a way like you have a team of superheroes. They don't even like each other. Like and, and that almost sounds better. Yeah, no, it, it is. Like a they barely know each other because they're just like thrown together. And one of them again, like, that's the friggin' show my wife was watching. None of them liked each other. I guess. You gotta tell me where this thing diverged, how it became something different. It's, it's, it's I'm sorry, I've asked three the, times, the, but the, I need the, an answer. The answer is the CW. Yes. Oh, I don't that's know the how to relate these on? two things for you, Pokey. Yes. All right. The answer right, is one I, of them is a comic book, and the other is on the CW. All right, I can take that for now. That is, oh, it's so not a this... fantastic answer, but it, it is the answer. No, no, no. That's good. So, so Radiant Black has not become a show yet. No, I, uh, I. I don't think they will ever make this into a show. Oh, okay. All right. That, all right. That's it. That's, that's the answer I was looking for. Thank you. I don't know. They made Invincible into a TV show, so maybe they will. And The Boys. Yeah, that's true. That too. No, it's just, it's it's really good. It's really well written. It's um, it's very different. The only thing it's missing that from like the Sentai tradition is giant robots. I wish there were giant robots and there's not, but um, you always wish there were giant. robots. I, if, giant robots need to be in everything. Tosh, but, can you get over the giant robots for just one episode? No, I mean, I didn't say that. I just said he always wishes there were giant robots. I didn't say that was a bad thing. We're just trying to relate Tosh. Me too. But yeah, so and, and it actually has spawned off into its own little like side universe. And now there are other characters there. Some of the other characters are good. Some of them are not. Um, but it's are any of them puppets? No, no. But they're all sort of like that Japanese, like Sentai Tokusatsu, like kind of vibe. Uh, I, I'll have to take your word for it. I'm not sure I would know what that vibe looks like. I people I in armor and things like that. Artistically, the the radiant black character himself is is kind of neat looking. He he looks. Like um, everything on the Cartoon Network looked from like between 2002 and 2011, maybe he, he looks like that, you know, like the the uh, Batman looked that way, too. And and uh, so he's kind of neat with the jaggedy in the right places and the roundy in the right places, like slim, tall looking cartoons looks right. Maybe formulaic, you know, 10 to 20 years later. Yeah, it's not a uh it's it's simple. Like and that's kind of what I think makes it work narratively too. Like it's simple. It's just like people who wound up with weird powers. Um uh, and it's kind of cool because they all have different powers, which is not usually that's sort of the American spin on it. Like in, in Sentai shows, it, from what I know of them, I don't know a whole lot. It's like everybody has the same powers. Like different people have different powers like one's a teleporter one uh radiant black controls like gravity it's, it's like his superpower um which is super cool uh like superman no like he can he can manipulate gravity like he could just be like no i don't want you to be standing there and just turn up the gravity on you and smush you into a pile yeah no sorry that was another old internet callback the the unified theory of superman says that whether or not he's aware of it his only one superpower is 
that he can manipulate gravity quickly and largely and smallly. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I thought you would have heard of it. I, I'm trying to figure out how everything he does comes from manipulating gravity. Well, name a power. Laser eyes. Yeah, laser eyes. He can focus gravity to the point where it pulls in light and pushes it where he needs it to go. Cold breath, he pulls gravity the other way till he's pushing a, a vacuum of space. It's It was more, it might not have been gravity, it might have been momentum specifically, but it related to gravity in the article. It was 10 or more years ago that I read it, I'm sorry. So do they all get together? I know they don't form a giant robot, but do they form a team that can at least surround like a super powered supervillain? Like the first villain they face is basically similar to them and they all just have to deal with him. Like there, some of the characters know each other and like each other. Some of them don't know each other at all. Two of them like radiant black and radiant red, like just hate each other. And there's a good reason why. Um, but like they, they only work together begrudgingly. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's usually a, uh, an interesting, uh, dynamic between all of them. And some of them know, more about where their powers come from than others. So, like, Radiant Black really doesn't know much of anything about how he got his power. He, he, he just knows, well, he was there when the powers started, and then he winds up with the powers. I, I don't want to say more than that, because there's a big twist in the first trade um, that involves that. Have you gone back to comicsology, or are you consuming this some other way? Uh my boy just lent these to me. That's that's how I'm reading these. So, or it's how I read them. It's been a few months since I read them. Lent you what? Like comic books? Paper yeah, the books? actual. He had the trades of it, so I, I was just reading the trades. Okay. Sneaker net, sneaker net, and dead trees. So old school. Hey, Pokey. How we do? What's hey, up, Pokey, it's, it, it, We're all old. No, I'm old. You guys are just starting to get old. It's very amusing to me to watch you guys get there. Well, I don't think it's funny. We complain like old guys, though. It sucks when you're going through it, Lyle. You're 100% correct, but I'm still going to laugh at you the whole time. Out of love. It's it's a loving laugh at you. I had one night of bad sleep, and I'm fucking miserable. I slept, That's why... I, slept on a, I slept on a bed that wasn't, like, my super bougie fancy bed, and I'm still sore from it two days later. Getting Lyle, old this, fucking sucks. This is why I now smoke a pipe. A tobacco pipe and embrace dad jokes. I mean, I've been I, embracing dad jokes since, you know, long before I was a dad. I wear a hat that most people look at and go, is that a fedora? In fact, I wear two hats that people always go, is that a fedora? Do you wear them both at the same time? No, and neither of them <laughs> is a fedora, nor do either of them look anything like a fedora, but people are so out of touch with anything but a Hat ball culture? cap and anything but a 20-year-old, then they think that that must be a fedora. Do you tip your hat and say, m'lady? Yes. Ooh, that's cringe. Of course. And why would, what do you mean? Would, you even have to ask, you know me. Of Yes, I am always that polite. I don't specifically say m'lady, but I'll say miss to make an older lady feel younger. Yeah, absolutely. The The funny thing to me, though, is that I wear, I, like, I. there's a million different names for the kind of cap that I wear, but, like, an English driving cap or an Irish cap or a Scully cap. It, um, it's, I wear that. And someone asked me, is that a fedora? What are you wearing? A fedora? 
Like, it's ri ridiculous. And you guys know a fedora because you've seen where in the world is Carmen San Diego, and that's what she wears, but that it's not even remotely close. The only the only resemblance it has to a fedora is that it goes on the top of the head of a human being. I mean, I know what a fedora is because I run it on my uh, laptop every day. There's that there too, go. but I thought some of our listeners might be Ubuntu users. And, and I do wear a wide-brimmed hat, but it's not a fedora. It's just a wide-brimmed hat. It's just to keep the sunburn off my ears and neck while I'm driving the dead Miata. You ain't kidding, Taj. It is dead, and I'm not kidding either. It's like dead, dead, as in it does. It's dead, dead. Um, it's maybe a two-year-old topic at this point. I think I told you guys two years ago I was out with my wife, and it, it, it started acting up. It was doing something weird, and it was an intermittent weirdness, and maybe I hoped out loud. Maybe I only kept it in my head, but I sort of half-hoped that it would completely break because nothing gets fixed till it's all the way broken well it is all the way broken now and it's going to be a very very expensive fix but on the bright side at least i know what's broken and at least i know that there are several paths to fixing it they're all crazy expensive but i i do know that the that there is a course now to choose is the path a new miata no god no are you saying that because your wife is listening? No, no, no. I'm saying that because I, I love this car. I would not give up this particular car. I, I, I mean, it's, it's my grandfather's axe. If the head broke, I'd buy a new head. If the handle broke, I'd buy a new handle, no matter how many times I had to do that to keep the purity of the original. I, I would do that. No, it's, it's, um, it's mechanically sound. Everything is intact. It hasn't been crashed or bent or, or broken in that way. The ECU, the computer that runs the engine, has malfunctioned, and there does not appear to be a way to fix it. I've taken it apart looking for, you know, shit stains on the motherboard or funny smells or burnt marks. There's nothing there, um, it, but the computer is malfunctioning. It needs to be replaced. The problem is with this specific generation of vehicle, the computer ties into a security module and they have to be replaced in pairs and the security module ties into the ignition switch so those have to be replaced together and the ignition switch is integral to the lock cylinder which matches the key and also the key has a chip in it that matches the ignition switch so those the key has to be replaced and the lock cylinder with it and if you're replacing the key, unless you want mismatched keys, you have to replace the door lock cylinders and the trunk lock cylinder at the same time. So you're looking at a minimum of six parts. And I think there is a seventh part. They all have to match. And two to three of them are computers. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. No, it isn't. Like if somebody's brakes fail and they drive into a telephone pole with the front end of the car and they fuck the whole car up, it's not a problem. You can pull all three. I think it's three computers. I, there's only two that I can find, but everybody keeps telling me there's a third computer involved. Like one is the enables the ignition switch to talk to the computer and one disables the system if it doesn't match. So I, I think there's two small modules. So I think it's three computers and four lock cylinders and a key and they all have to match. And 
somebody, like I said, drives into a telephone pole, it's no problem, as long as the wrecker knows to pull them all out together, which most of them don't know, even the Miata specialists are only now beginning to become aware of that. If you can get all them, it seems like you can find them for between 500 and 1100 bucks for the set. If not, you have to go with an aftermarket computer and the sky's the limit there really, but somewhere between 1600 and $2,000 to go with an aftermarket computer. That does sound painful. Um, the painful part is lying on your back, messing with the com computer that's under the steering column and the, the uh, security modules also under there. And if, if there is a third computer, if I'm not mistaken, then that's also under there. That's the painful part. The rest is just expensive and stressful because currently the car's old enough that it doesn't need the factory computer in order to pass inspection. But if the laws change, then that factory setup will become way more expensive than it currently is. And even in its current state, it's real, real, real hit or miss as to whether you can find that full set. So it's like the absolute best thing to do would be to find a full matching set and install them and then buy the aftermarket computer and just, you know, set the factory set aside. But it's, it's not financially feasible for me personally at this time. So I, I might have to go with an aftermarket computer and just pray that they never change the laws to, to get an inspection. Did I put that in the list or did somebody put that up there? Cause I wouldn't be talking about it. Which one? The one page rules one. It was definitely on your list, but it was it on your list that got carried over from last month. Yeah, and I, I did. I don't know if I accidentally copied it up to the main list or somebody else did. Okay. I didn't, but now, now we're there. So yeah, he's like, now I guess I'm gonna tell the story. Um, so what? Well, I guess about a year ago, I got back into playing BattleTech, which is the 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 tabletop game, like the 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 war gaming game, um, and. I've played that since I was a kid, you know, off and on. Uh, one of one of the reasons I like BattleTech is because the owners of it now are pretty open to uh, like the community and what the community wants. And like when three D printing became a thing, they were like, "Cool, we're going to make miniatures, but if you want to three D print miniatures, like we can't keep up with all the mechs that exist. Like we just we don't have the infrastructure to do it. So we'll make some, but like by all means, make your own stuff. Like that's cool." Um, so I've always dug that. I, I thought that that was a really cool thing. Um, the other shiny um, that is, you know, the elephant in the room is Warhammer. <laughs> you know, everybody plays Warhammer. I have always liked Warhammer, but never played the game because everybody talks about it and it's a nightmare. It's too expensive to get into. Um, and generally, it seems like Games Workshop is just kind of a big bag of dicks um, to players, to their own workers, to, you know, um, they try to sue everybody everyone out. that exists. Yeah, they try to sue everybody out of existence. Um, they basically, as soon as 3D printing came along, they stuck their fingers in their ears and were like, "La la 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 la, that's all illegal. You can't do that." Um, which you know has not made them many fans. Uh, I think that they've, uh, no, nor has it you know worked. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, people still trust me. It's very easy to find files for things. Um, but anyways because of all that i was just i forget what i was watching I and mean, it had to be a youtube something about BattleTech, and somebody mentioned that they had gotten into warhammer but they weren't playing warhammer they were playing one page rules and 
I was I was like, what does that mean? I have no idea what that is. So I went and looked. One Page Rules is a company that they have created their own sort of I won't call it open source because it's not open source, but it, it is free. Like you can go get it. Um, they've created an alternate rule set for Warhammer um, that they call Grim Dark Future. And they actually have one for the fantasy one too, which I don't remember what it's called. Um, Did they call that one Grim Dark Past? No, but they should have. That would have been hilarious. So what you're saying is their naming is very directly on the nose. Yes. And like the army books are. I mean, literally, you could just look at it and be like, look, we already know you have this army because you used to play Warhammer. This is this is that like the Space Marines are the Battle Brothers, right? <laughs> like um, the Eldar, like Space Elves. <laughs> you know, it's very on the nose that like you're probably going to be using the minis you already have. And they even if you go to their their Wikipedia, they're like, this is what the Games Workshop's stat is like. This is the character and this is what we call it. So you can you can one to one the game. Um, and I was like, cool, I've always wanted to play Warhammer, but I've heard it's too hard and that it's too expensive to play. Uh, so I, I looked at this and I downloaded their beginner pack and they have two different versions. They have the regular Grimdark Future and then they have the Skirmish version, which I've learned from playing Battletech. I like regular Battletech, but I really like Alpha Strike, which is their Skirmish game that like I like the Skirmish games better. Um, so I downloaded is that just like smaller army sizes and faster gameplay. Yeah, it's way faster. It's um a little bit more streamlined rules and it, the movement tends to be a little quicker and things like that. It's, it's a much faster game. Um, so I downloaded like, like speed ball. If you were playing paintball. Sure. I don't know what that means, but sure. Oh, it's, it's like a more of an arena than an open area. Oh yeah. Um, yes, that's kind of the same thing. Well, I mean, they're all, sandboxed to a certain extent into a certain area, but like the skirmish games tend to be smaller scale. Um, so you're, you're in each other's face more. So there's more shooty, shooty, less strategy sometimes, which is more my style, but I yeah, which is what speedball is for paintball. There's, there's a lot less like troop maneuvering and flanking and shit. And it's more like, ah, he's right in front of you. Shoot him. Yeah. yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It's, it's all, it's all reaction. Yeah. That's kind of the way this is. So I downloaded the, the basic, rules and they have like little cutouts you can cut out and, and do it with paper and i was just like i'm just gonna play this game uh it is so freaking fun uh it, it boils everything down to like i can take somebody who's never played a war game before and set them down at the table and in 10 to 15 minutes they, they can play this game and not only play it but start to see strategy like that's how streamlined these rules are uh, so I was like instantly like, I need some Warhammer minis because I've never played Warhammer and I've never bought the minis because I don't want to spend like $50 for five little pieces of plastic. Um, thankfully, like I said, you can 3d print them. I've, I've literally this whole episode, I've been painting little space Marines, uh, <laughs> like just while we talked. Um, and the other thing that I think is interesting about them is that they have a Patreon. Um, you can get all the rules for free, but if you're on their Patreon, I think it's like 10 bucks a month or something. They are creating custom sculpts and minis for all these factions. And one of the cool things is, is they're adding factions. Um, like there is a big, um, one of the ones they added is like a, I forget what they call it. It's the something empire, but it's basically an Asian themed sort of army where everything is like space Asians or whatever. I don't know what to call it. That's probably really offensive. Uh, but, you know, and, and they're making the minis for these and you just get them for free if you're in the Patreon. Like they just they just send them to you. So even if... Like they send you actual physical minis, not just STL no, no, files no, no. or the something? The STL files, the STL. But I mean, like 
the size of these things is ridiculous. I mean, there's probably like I don't I don't know. I've only had the first one, but there's they sent two factions, and there were like at least twenty minis in every faction, like in every release for the factions. So I mean, forty minis right off the top, ten bucks a month. I'm sold. Like I'm there, and they're cool enough. Like with the fantasy ones, that like they're totally D and Dable. Like. <laughs> And they just look good. So, like, it's it's sort of a, I like the game, but I also kind of like these minis they're putting out. They're, they're kind of cool. And you're 3D printing the minis? Yes. I have not 3D print theirs yet because I haven't, because uh, I, I went on this little kick to make some Space Marines. Uh, because the the uh, the intro thing is Space Marines versus It Works. And so I wanted to print some of those. So if I have friends over and I'm like, hey, let's play this, then I have, like, physical miniatures for them. Um, so they're not playing with little like paper cutouts like I was. Space Marines versus Orcs sounds like a very one-sided contest. Well, no, because they're just like a fucking bajillion orcs. Yeah. Individual orcs are dead. The orcs orcs win just by sheer like numbers and absurdity. Yeah, you just you lay down more bullets. Or bodies. Well, the bullets lay down the bodies. Yeah. Interesting though. I it didn't occur to me that you could just pick orcs because you want 10 times more numbers. And these are space orcs, so they have, like, guns and tanks, too. Well, as, as long as they hump like rabbits, we, we need loads and loads of them. Word. You going to airbrush any of them? I, so I, I airbrushed the base coat. on. So I do, um, I did black primer on all these space marines and then i did what's called a zenithal highlight which is like a, a white primer that you hit from like an angle so it automatically a zenithal highlight i don't okay, know where so the name it, comes it from kind of adds shadow yeah so you're you're appreciating everything and then oh, neat. i take i took the base color i i went and looked i because i don't i've played some of the warhammer like video games so i know nothing about the lore other than like space marines have different colors for different factions and i went to a website and looked at different colors like the factions and i picked ultramarines because they're blue and gold and they look sick um so i did that white and black I mean, wait a minute i mean the ultramarines look fantastic yeah in fact the, the color is ultramarine yes it is yeah isn't ultramarine like a bluish green it's, no well it's that's aquamarine ultramarine is like like a really bright but yet still dark blue. Oh, all right. So then I, I took the, the base color, which is a, a darker blue than that. And then I airbrushed that on. And then I'm just going in and um, I, just kind of like doing increments of lightness by adding a lighter blue to it. And then I, I kind of do my shadows and, and stuff and in, in my highlights and then i go back in with glaze like different glazes between those and and smooth them out so and, and hopefully to where it looks like it's it's pretty well lit are you what, so i guess back to my initial question are you brushing this on or using an airbrush for these final layers or what's going on no 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 no. after after the base coat everything's done with a brush okay like a skinny little one with just like three whiskers I, well, I've got some like that, but really, I, I use a fairly chunky one. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the best painter. I, I, I'm like, I just want it to look good enough to where when it sits on the table, it's not terrible. Um, and these, these are, are winding up a little too dark, but I kind of like it that way. So I don't know, they'll probably stay. And Lyle said there needs to be pics. I'll take some pictures of my guys where they're at. They're not anywhere near done, but 
you can see the progress. Cool. Yeah, darker is probably a little better for a war game because it looks like they've been in the field for a while. Makes them look like veterans. Well, and then like because the other color is gold, so it's like a really bright color. And so I'm assuming that it will brighten this up a little bit when I get that on there. But I'm I'm still like I'm probably halfway through the shades on it, so it it will get lighter. Like that, that's gonna happen. I mean, I can I can take a picture of the one in kind of vaguely ultramarine colors that I've done, and then you can post a picture of what you've done. I guarantee you yours looks better, but mine's probably maybe an hour or two of work for one marine. Yeah, that's probably where I'm well, I'll probably wind up being about that same amount. Um Yes, yeah. but you're good at this. No, I'm not. Uh this is compared to me, you are. <laughs> this is definitely not my strong suit. But it, it you know, it's it's one of those things that I, I'm used to doing hard edge stuff like mechs and like spaceships. So it's it's interesting to like paint humans, even though space marines are kind of chunky robot-y, but they're still like Getting the light power, right on power armor is still power armor is still much more body like than say a Gundam. Yes, for sure, and and the size is different, but um, you know it, it's fun. I like it, and it's like just because I can get better at it because I can sit here and just print them off whenever I want them. Like if I want to try something new, I don't have to go buy a fifty dollar box of miniatures. I can just print one off, and it costs like ten cents. <laughs> and if I fuck it up, I just throw it away. You can fuck Don't around you guys- and then and then find out exactly. Did you guys see the uh, RoboCop reboot remake movie? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, terrible. <laughs> yes, that that is that is being very generous, calling it terrible. It was somebody who watched the original movie and got none of the points from the original movie and <laughs> understood no subtlety. They were just like robots are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, that's what I kind of where. I, yes, you're you're 100 percent correct. It's kind of where I was going. I thought the power armor in that one was pretty cool. Oh, it looked awesome. Like, I, I, I'm not going to fault it for that. The movie looked great. It was just not good. Yeah, all right. Just checking. It's just, you, you mentioned power armor, and I thought that was one of the best renditions of power armor that I've seen since Aliens. Well, that's that's kind of going back to my, my point of, like, Games Workshop is a giant bag of dicks. Um, they want to, like sue everybody out of existence and they want to like try to copyright the term space marine when literally every single faction in their game is blatantly ripped off from something like um also not even pretending also hello i would like to introduce them to robert heinlein right i mean i just said aliens no like literally aliens space marines right and they wore power armor and fought Aliens who look like the Tyranids, like the Tyranids are the aliens from Alien. Like everything in that game is ripped. The Tau are clearly like anime robots. Like everything they make is ripped off from somebody, but yet they want to get all up in somebody's face if they're trying to like steal their IP. Well, bless their heart. Oh, I'm blessing it by just like uh, doing, you know, sculpts that are actually better than their theirs and, and getting it for way less. And they're not getting any money. They might sue you. If they hear our show, come at me. Let's see. I'm not selling them. They can't do shit to me. Well, just so I don't get sued, I have a mea culpa to make. Go on. So, two episodes ago, right at the beginning of the show, anyone who wants to like fact check this doesn't have to do whole a whole lot of work because it was right at the beginning of the show. So it would have been episode seventy seven. Um, Taj, you started talking about doing an oil change on your Prius with your daughter. And I don't know where my mind went 
listening to what you were talking about, it made it, it, I don't know. It, it, I do know where it went. I don't know how it got there. I was thinking of a dry sump oil system that had nothing to do with it. What you were attempting to say, I believe in, in when I listened to it the second time it was pretty clear was that it's an electric car. And anytime you change the oil on a car, you have to start it up to get the oil to circulate before you can shut it off and check the actual level. And an electric car doesn't want to start on you. You turn the key and it just wants to roll in the battery. And I don't know where or why or how my mind made the jump to um, a dry sump oil system. It had, it's like, had absolutely nothing to do with what you were talking about. And, and my mind stuck on that. And I really sidetracked us badly, not understanding what you had said in the first place. So I apologize to you and to all of our listeners, to everyone whose time I wasted with that. Okay, cool. No worries. I haven't changed my oil. So, you know, next time <laughs> we'll figure it out. Well, we had talked about you teaching your daughter how to change the oil. So you had at least done it once because you had said you were taught her. So, yeah, you were on the right track. And I was just way talking out of my ass. Just I, I missed something at the time. And when I listened back to it just, I don't know, a week or two ago, I was listening. I'm, I'm way behind on our show. I don't often listen to our show. But I was way off track. Like I, I was listening to me and going, what the fuck is this idiot talking about? He, he clearly didn't hear part of the conversation. Well, at least you feel the same way we do when we listen to the show. Whew, that's a relief. No, no, we had the relief earlier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really early. This week. This month. This time. Not always a month. This time. Now, that being said, my apologies for you because I said something ridiculous, Tosh. I also need to um, tell you that you said something absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I mean... Are we surprised? Yeah, Taj is usually pretty on the level. Oh, is it me who's usually ridiculous? Uh, between you and me, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty fairly balanced. That's just a perspective thing, but Taj is usually a, our, um, our foundation block, our cornerstone, our tether to reality. Y'all should find I'm afraid. So last episode or the episode before, I don't recall, Taj said that the music from the Andor Disney show should have been the default for all Star Wars. And I just want to say that, Taj, that's a ridiculous thing today to say. It was, it was very silly and you're 100% wrong. Fair enough. That's it? Not an argument? Nothing? No, I'm trying to remember what I said. You I think said I was that, talking that... about that. No, I do remember what I said. I said uh, Kevin Kleiner, who does Clone Wars and Rebels and all the animated stuff, that he, for a long time, thought should be the default. Because he he is very good at writing John Williams without being John Williams. Uh, and this made me rethink that. Like, oh, maybe we could do something different. Like, maybe it doesn't have to be ripping off John Williams. Yeah, and I believe you said, as an example, that the music from Andor could have been the default for Star Wars. And possibly. Yeah, and that, so the rest of it, I, I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with either of those statements or with musicology to know if it's true or not. But this could not be the music for the rest of Star Wars. Uh, and, and I will say that it's very good music, and I believe you said that as well. I believe both of you said that, actually. And if so, then I agree. The music for Andor was exceptionally good. It just was not particularly Star Wars. Um, one of you along the way said that Andor was a really good 
like World War II spy movie. And I will say the music for Andor was really, really good World War II spy movie music. That's what it was. The rest of Star Wars is usually not uh, spy. It, a lot of it is World War II, but very little of it is spy. So I, I don't think it would be a good fit for most of the other movies. I think we have to give Lost in Bronx credit for that one. For calling it a spy movie? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, then he hit the nail on the head. Thank you, Lost in Rock. I, 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 I recall that being one of one of his like big favorite genres for recently. He's been watching and reading a lot of spy stuff, so he would know better than I would. Well, regardless of, of being familiar with uh, spy movies or music in general, this it felt like spy movie music. The, the themes were more World War II. I, I don't think the music was so specific to World War II. The, the music was specific to Spy, and the, um, the themes were specific to World War II. And when we were finished watching Andor's Trail, I put on Rogue One um, just to sort of tie it in for my wife. She just kind of watches stuff in the moment and forgets about it when it's done and doesn't think a whole lot about it. So I just kind of continued it for her, and, and we watched Rogue One afterwards. And I will say that Andor's, the music for all, what, 12 episodes, I think, that music was as good as Rogue One's music is bad. Rogue One has a terrible, awful soundtrack. It's, it's horrendously bad. It's noticeably bad. It will take you out of the story. That soundtrack is so bad. I'm sorry, did you just call it Andor's Trail? I might have. I really like Andor's Trail. I wish we could talk about that game sometime because it's it's a fun little game of open sourcedness. But I I probably did by accident. I think I'm gonna have to look this up. But I'm pretty sure you just came full full circle because I think the composer that did the Prodigy theme song is the composer that did Rogue One. The what theme song? The Star Trek Prodigy theme song. I'm pretty sure that I'm tr right. I'm gonna look it up right now. Oh, I've got more to talk about before this is the end. Yep, it's the same guy. Okay, quick question. A lot of quick questions. So, and this is an old topic, I understand, but specific to Andor show, how come if you hit a stormtrooper in the shoulder with a blaster, it'll kill him? But if you hit a rebel in the shoulder with a blaster, it will give him a limp. Plot armor. Even when they're not wearing armor? Well, see, the Rebels have plot armor, and they also shoot plot bullets. All right, all right. I can live with that. Then, all right, here's my next one. As bad as Stormtrooper armor is, we all know it can't defend against a blaster. But how come it can't even defend against a headbutt? I mean, some guys have real thick heads. To be completely fair... I'm pretty sure getting headbutt with a, with a helmet on actually might make it worse, especially the way the stormtrooper helmets don't fit well or like clearly don't fit well. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you may be between, getting hit twice by that helmet. Yeah, honestly, yeah, but, if you give me the choice between a stormtrooper helmet and even just like a modern day NFL helmet, I will take the NFL helmet every day of the week. Yes, of course. And it defends against the types of things that would take you down like a headbutt. And the stormtrooper helmet should have some kind of technology in it to defend against something, anything. What has Stormtrooper armor ever defended against, except maybe abrasion if you tripped and fell against the concrete? Identification and uniqueness. That's what it's defending against. 
yeah, I, I think thinking that the Empire gives a shit about any individual stormtrooper safety is probably the first error. Uh, any individual, full stop. Is your is your name Palpatine? No, they don't care about you. Or Darth. Does, it, does your name start with Darth? No, 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 no. Palpatine doesn't care. Are you him? He doesn't care about you. Or Mom, if you're on the other side, if your name starts with Mom. What? Ma, there was Mom Mothra. Mon. M-O-N. <laughs> no, Mom, she fought Godzilla. Mom, Pay attention, Mothra. Taj. And I forget where, somewhere along the story, plot line, somewhere, there was um, like a marksman, like, and I think it was the guy with all the um, breathing apparatus on his face who worked for uh, Young MC. But he was supposed to be like the marksman. <laughs> but when he finally pulled out his gun, he, thank you, Tosh. When he finally pulled out his gun, it was a heavy machine gun. How's a sniper firing a heavy machine gun? What, it, even in this universe, how does that make sense to anybody? It, it's Star Wars. J- just relax. Oh, dude. I try, but you guys talk about it for hours on end, and I try to relate, and I come in, and I, it, here's the marksman, he's firing a heavy machine gun. Like, go, 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 go. Like, wh- marksman means one shot, one kill. Maybe it is one shot, one kill. Just a lots of shots and lots of kills. No, that's exactly what he did. The, the, a group of guys ran in the room, and he's got a gun going, go, 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 and every good took down a stormtrooper. Like he knew how to swing it. That's that's not reality. Might not have been the the breathy face guy. It might have been someone else. It it was just it was wacky. It, it, that really it it you know when you have like a hundred stormtroopers who can't hit shit. They shoot like Decepticons, but one guy could just go full auto and one shot, one kill with his first sixteen rounds. It's just it, like they're not living in the same universe. It's it just it really takes me out of a story. Yeah, I guess. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I, I also I, did not think about it. It's not a thing I want to think about. When I sit down to watch a movie, it's not like, okay, how accurate is the heavy machine gunner in this epic story? It's it's not a thing I try to think about. It's it's something that, that it sticks out like a sore thumb, and, and I wish I could not think about it. All right, and one thing for you guys. You guys may actually know this. Um... It, and I, it, they might have even used it in one of the original movies, but all of the rebel pilots have like a pocket on their sleeve up on their shoulder, and it's got like these metal sticks in it. And I don't know what those things are, and they're not the only one that have them. Are they? I think, it, I think it's. A, I think it's a pen. Well, yeah, it's like a pen or or like a, a like a, a titanium like pen that you'd stick in someone's eye to kill them. And uh, the generals. One of the generals, well, I don't remember if he was a good guy or a bad guy, but he had one like pinning his cape closed. But yeah, it did It did look like a cross between a, a pen and a Marlin spike hitch and like an assault spike, self-defense spike. But a lot of the pilots have two or three of them in their sleeves. And this is from like the original Star Wars on through all of the movies. It's been like a thematic sort of a set piece that, that they've all had them in their sleeves. And I thought, I, I, I thought maybe in, um, not return of the Jedi, uh, uh, the second one, whatever the hell it was, I thought maybe someone like took it and screwed it in as a control throttle stick, but I could be making that up too. They, I actually Pogi, know the answer Pogi, to this. Did, did, did you just call the empire strikes back 
the second one, whatever it is. Yeah, I called it not Return of the Jedi. That's where we're at, guys. No, the little things in their pockets are code cylinders. They're like, they use them for identification and like to plug into consoles and things. Oh, it's a thumb drive. Uh, essentially, yes. Uh, kind of like space thumb drives. Is it more of okay. a thumb drive or more like a YubiKey? Yeah, YubiKey's based on a thumb drive. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it now. Oh, someday I'm going to pin my cape closed with a YubiKey when I become like a, a dictator. Well, that's ominous. No, this is... Dope! 